Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, Duval, to the Gin Jag Podcast. We're back after another very unfortunate extended hiatus. Uh, Scott Klein and Hunter Evans are both in full dad mode now. So moving forward, it'll be myself, Jordan DeLugo, and I'm very excited to introduce Dalton D, a.k.a. UCF Jaguar. A lot of you probably know him from YouTube. Uh, We will be the hosts of the podcast for the foreseeable future. We're going to do our best to provide insight and opinions that you won't get anywhere else, and we're going to have a damn good time doing so. And uh, our goal here is to start with an episode a week and maybe some emergency episodes here and there. And uh, just bring the best content we can forward. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors, Bold City Brewery. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And of course, check out their tap room in Riverside on Roselle and the downtown tap room on East Bay Street. All right, Dalton. So a lot of you are probably familiar with UCF Jaguar, who I'm going to be referring to as Dalton on the show just because. You know, we're boys. I'm not going to run around calling him UCF Jaguar all day. Um, I just feel weird saying that. But Dalton, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you have going on over on YouTube and how they can follow you and keep up to date? Well, first of all, man, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Been really listening to it ever since I joined the Jag team. So you guys always do good stuff. Um, you know, you got Hunter's got a couple kids. Scott has a few kids. I'm just a single man just doing my thing. So uh, no, not not much of a family man over here. So I'll have a little more time to um, be able to commit to this. But yeah, man, the YouTube channel is going good. Got over 6,000 subscribers. Hopefully you're going to keep growing, um, you know, throughout the NFL season. Uh, it, continue, you know, usually during the off season, I'll post about one video a week. But, you know, I'm moving. I'm actually moving on Saturday and um, I'm really trying to focus on how to really just make the presentation and all that a little bit better. So I'm um, going to be looking to upgrade on that. So you guys definitely going to see a clear difference in the next few weeks. But yeah, man, just, you know, for all you guys that like videos, uh, you know, really the best JAG videos, I think, out there on any kind of platform. So, you know, definitely subscribe to me. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar. And uh, ready to ready to talk some Jaguars on a weekly basis on a more of a radio podcast type of show. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Excited to have you on. Of course, I'll miss Scott and Hunter, but you know they've got bigger fish to fry these days. <laughs> they've got babies to keep alive. That's right. And so I can better keep can... myself alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on the baby train just yet. Hopefully, I've got a few more years left before that. But uh, anyways. So people can follow you on Twitter and Instagram at UCF underscore Jaguar. And you can follow me at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And uh, you can follow Generation Jaguar, of course, on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar and on Twitter at Generation Jag. So as I was writing notes out for this 
return podcast here and UCF Jaguars debut. Some breaking news just came out a few hours ago via ESPN 690, Brent Martineau and Austin Laner over there uh, doing their local show from three to six. They had Jack Del Rio, former Jaguars coach on today. You know, Captain Jack led the Jaguars to a couple playoff appearances back in the uh, 2000s. He told Brent and Austin that he had no idea that the Jaguars were going to select Blaine Gabbert back in 2011. And I'm just floored by that. I mean, it's really incredible. He said he walked out to grab a bit, a bite early in the first round, uh, you know, not expecting the Jaguars to be on the clock for quite some time. And while he was getting some food on his plate, he heard the Jaguars had traded up and were on the clock. He rushed back to the draft room or war room, whatever you want to call it. And he could see it on everyone's faces as soon as he walked in, just how uncomfortable and awkward they were feeling. And he said that was the beginning of the end of his time here in Jacksonville. That is quite a uh, news bomb to drop here on June 25th I mean, on a random Tuesday. I mean, it's really just a testament to where the Jaguars were as an organization. I mean, you had probably the worst general manager of all time in all the NFL with Gene Smith at the helm over there. And then, you know, since then, that was really just a, really when the Jaguars just started spiraling out of control. I mean... Uh, you know, since then we've had one winning season, and I don't think even before that, like we've, it's been pretty much all double-digit loss seasons. Uh, Blaine Gabbert was, first of all, he wasn't a great quarterback. I mean, he really shouldn't have been drafted in the first round. I mean, and he, we threw him out in the, threw him out there way too early. I mean, it was just, it was such a weird season because that was the same season where, you know, they they cut. David Garrard, they started Luke McCown for a game or two, and then they just threw Blaine Gabbard out there, and it was just, I mean, that was one of the worst seasons and just, just this terrible era for Jaguars football. And, you know, just to hear that, I mean, we've had some good times with Jack Del Rio. We can't name really any good times with Gene Smith. I mean, really, his only the only really thing he has to show for himself, I think, is really just a Paul Puzlesny trade. But other than that, man, it's just... It, it, it's it's funny, but it's also kind of sad to hear that. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy looking back at just how dysfunctional things were, uh, you know, less than a decade ago. And some people might argue that it hasn't gotten much better since then. I would disagree. I don't think the Jaguars have one of the best organizations in football, but at that time they were clearly the worst. Yeah, I mean, we're, we got stability now. I mean, back then, you, the ownership was a little weird because it was just when the transition started. But then, I mean, now, I mean, you look at the roster, it's a pretty good roster. Uh, and you just, the quarterback position was really just never right. I mean, you know, a lot of people, including me, were kind of holding out, hoping that Blake Bortles would be something. But, you know, when your quarterback is always underperforming, it's, and, you know, you got a head coach like Gus Bradley in there, I mean, they just had trouble finding their footing. So it's, it's just going to make, it really just makes 2019 a fascinating season just to see, okay, if we can have a quarterback that at least has some consistency with Nick Foles and if the offense can actually stay healthy this year because, you know, last year it wasn't all Blake Bortles. I mean, that offense was completely just injury riddled and they couldn't get out of their own ways. And, you know, I mean, if they have consistency at quarterback and if they can stay healthy on offense, I mean, it'd be interesting to see uh, if, if they can turn it around a little bit in 2019. Yeah. Now, don't bury the lead here, Dalton. We're going to be talking about the offensive outlook a little bit later in the show, a little (laughs) bit more in depth there. But, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Now, uh, moving on to some more current news, 
Doug Marone and Jalen Ramsey both talked to Adam Schefter on his podcast, got some good sound bites out of that. If you want to listen to the whole uh, interview with both of them, it's about 20 some odd minutes long and you can find it on Adam Schefter's Twitter feed, which might be hard to scroll through because he tweets a lot. We retweeted it so you can find it on Generation Jaguars feed as well. Um, Marone pretty much he shared a lot about his personal life, his experience moving up through the coaching ranks. And as always, he was pretty interesting and funny to listen to. Talked about how his wife is his biggest critic and knows more about football than he does. Um, but really, the the meat of this interview here was with Jalen Ramsey, unsurprisingly. He talked a little bit about his new shoe deal with Adidas, his offseason plans. Uh, and most intriguingly, he was asked about quarterbacks and some of the quarterbacks he might face this season. And he uh, passed on the opportunity to roast any of those quarterbacks, something he could not resist heading into the 2018 season. And instead, he used the platform to praise his quarterback, Nick Foles. And I'll go ahead and share with you guys exactly what he said in that regard. In response to Adam's question about the quarterbacks he's going to face this year, Jalen was like, you want to do this again, huh? And uh, he said, I'm not going to do this again, but we do play some good quarterbacks this year, of course, but probably the quarterback I'm most excited for is Nick Foles. I don't have to play against him. He's my teammate. He's a great teammate. The few interactions we've had have been great. He's a great man, a great player as well. He has nothing to prove to anybody. He's a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP. So I hope he comes out here and plays free and knows he has the support of everybody. Uh, That's pretty awesome. I think yeah, Jalen I mean, has had a number of moments this offseason where you're kind of like, is he turning the corner in terms of becoming a little bit more mature? But, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Dalton? I mean, it's a much more ringing endorsement than he had of Bortles last year. I remember he said, Blake does what Blake's got to do. <laughs> he, he wasn't defending him or he wasn't really bashing him. He was just saying, look, he'll just – he does what he has to do. But, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I think – I, I think if the Jaguars, say they won the Super Bowl last year, I think he might have been a little more, had a little bit more of an urge to go out there and maybe, you know, do some roasting. But uh, I think I think he learned that no matter how well he plays, I mean, he had, I believe what he was an all pro pro bowler last year, but, you know. Yeah, if, he didn't if, make all pro, but he was a pro bowler again. Yeah, and and if you're if you're a great quarterback, you can really elevate a team like that. But really, like at the cornerback position, if you play at that top level, you can't really drive the team. So he says, okay, you know, it's, I'm I'm gonna kind of take a back seat here and not go all out and just let myself kind of speak for itself on the field and kind of do more of my trash talking out there. He says he's going into year four, so he's a little bit more mature of a guy. But I mean, it's it's always funny listening to Jalen. I mean, he's. He's somebody that I always like to listen to interviews just because he's usually open and honest about things. And, I mean, he's he always provides some fascinating sound bites. And I especially like to uh, – my favorite is just seeing him on the field and seeing the mouth the mouthpieces hanging and seeing – just him talk to every receiver that he can. I mean, he's he's really a riot. Yeah, and, and that's not going to change, at least not this year. He made that very clear on Twitter today, I think. He probably heard some noise from people kind of saying he lost his edge or something like that. But I do not think that's the case one bit. I think he's just picking and choosing his battles a little bit more selectively this year. And once he gets on the field, it's going to be on. Now, um, if you want to listen to that full podcast again, you can find it on our Twitter feed, at Generation Jack, or you can go find it uh, buried on Adam Schefter's feed somewhere. 
A um, couple other notes to get into a FanDuel writer, which if you don't know what FanDuel is, that's one of the um, big fantasy football apps and websites. Uh, Raulio, Raulio Perez, not sure how to say his first name, but he selected the Jaguars as number one dark horse team that could win the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that, Dalton? I mean, when I look at the Jaguars, I mean, I could totally see us winning the Super Bowl. You know, as a if I look at the roster and say, look, you know, we have we finally have a like I was kind of saying earlier, we have a consistent quarterback. I, I think that the offensive line has a good chance to be really good, and you know that can really help drive the run game, and the quarterback can help uh, help out the receivers a little bit. And of course, we still got a great defense, even though we lost some pieces. So, but at the same time, as as, as I can also see us being you know Super Bowl champions, I can also see us being the same old Jaguars that I'm used to seeing. I feel like every year of my life, where we just go out there and we disappoint, and we end up with a five and eleven season. But you know, I would I would expect better than that. But I mean, it's 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 always cool seeing uh, these different writers kind of hype us up a little bit. I mean, I know when I was a uh, when I was a little younger, I would read into a lot of that and find the different writers and media outlets that liked my team, and I would really enjoy them. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting once the season starts, and we can really that's that's the great thing about football and sports is you know and, and politics. You can argue all you want about what politician would be the greatest, but you're not going to be able to really see them all because they're not going to be put in a position in sports. You're able to put it all out in the field, uh, you know, play 60 minutes, 16 times a season until the playoffs and, you know, prove an ultimate champion. So I love football debate and I love, uh, you know, I love these different projections that we can always go back on them and uh, enjoy and see what kind of takes, whether they're good or bad, what you thought of the team. Yeah. So here's what Perez had to say here. The Blake Bortles nightmare is officially over for Tom Coughlin and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Signing Nick Foles to lead the offense was the number one priority for Jacksonville this offseason. There's no question that it makes them contenders. Though their odds might say otherwise, don't forget they were a couple plays away from reaching the Super Bowl just two seasons ago. And that was with Bortles running the show, not a Super Bowl MVP. Don't sleep on this team now that Foles is under center in Jacksonville. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything he says there. There's obviously a lot that goes into becoming a Super Bowl champion and even making the playoffs for that matter. But could I see the Jaguars winning the Super Bowl? Honestly, as someone who's followed the team since 1995, it's really hard to say yes, I could see the Jaguars winning the Super Bowl. But could I see them being contenders? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was it was honestly just awesome and just surreal when the Jaguars were in the AFC Championship game. I just remember the... I just remember the different press conferences and just seeing the AFC championship banner in the back, you know, the backdrop and just thinking how surreal this was that we're one of the final four teams left. We're literally one win away from the Super Bowl. It was just such an unreal feeling. And the Jaguars were ever in a Super Bowl. I just all I want in my life is the Jaguars to win one Super Bowl. Give me one Super Bowl. I, I just want to. I just want to know how that feels. Is because I've never been so emotionally invested in a team and had them win a championship like that. And man, wouldn't that wouldn't that be something that the Jaguars were able to do something like that? <laughs> it'd be it'd be life changing for me. Oh, no doubt about it. We would have quite a quite a fun off season that year. No doubt about it. So uh, now our final little bit of news and notes here. PFF released their top fifty players of two thousand nineteen. Calais Campbell came in at number 26, and Jalen Ramsey came in at number 15. Uh, No other Jags made the list, pretty unsurprisingly. 
Uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people are big list guys. I'm not I'm not a huge list guy, although this list is a little better than the uh, than the most popular list out there with the NFL top 100. I think I think that list is just really strange, just because. I don't really know how the voting goes. I, I believe it's it's uh, all player voting, and they vote at like the first week of December. So it's just it's just weird to me. Like I would think that players on each other's teams would just stuff the ballot for each other, and a lot of players just get ranked in weird spots. But hey, man, PFF top fifty. I mean, Clayus Campbell at number twenty six. It, it, it's really just amazing how much a scheme change did for the guy. I mean, he's older than thirty. He's coming into really the best couple years of his career just the last couple years and you know really with Calais and Jalen I mean it's 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 really just uh you got to attribute it just to their worth ethic I mean these guys go out there and grind I mean a lot of people give Jalen Ramsey some slack for you know missing the voluntary type of stuff but you know you kind of learn that look he's he's not out there doing doing stupid things he's out there working on himself he's got his own workout regimen and i mean he he even plays injured i mean he played a lot of people don't know this but he played a lot of the 2018 season injured and you've he puts it all out there for his team and uh i mean to see him get the 15th ranked spot i mean it really is great and it's honestly just good to see a draft pick like a first round draft pick actually pan out just because uh we haven't necessarily been able to hit on a lot of them and i should say most of them really over the last decade plus yeah it's been a lot more misses than hits in the first round for the Jaguars no doubt about it Calais Campbell number 26 Jalen Ramsey number 15 I think those are respectable ranks although some of the guys that are in front of Calais um, I don't necessarily agree with I think Calais it's easy to argue that he was a top three defensive end last year just with how dominant he was against the run and how effective he was as a pass rusher as well. And Jalen Ramsey, he was playing through some injuries last year, which he's been known to do. He hasn't missed a game since he's been in Jacksonville. So he's been a real warrior in terms of just grinding through everything. Even though he misses practice all week, he comes out and balls on game day. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of these guys actually higher on the list next year. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it really is. I mean, Clayus Campbell, he's one of the most fun freighted acquisitions I've ever seen. I mean, just the impact that he not only does displays on the field, I mean, the guy's just a dominant force at a defensive end spot. You know, big old dude, great at the run stuffing, and he just he can actually get after the quarterback a little bit. You know, I think he helps the guys around him on a defensive line, you know, helping create havoc with guys like, you know, it's 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 just so exciting for me to see the third down packages and especially the third down packages this year where you have Yannick Ngakwe on one side Calais Campbell slides to the three tech and then you have you're going to have Josh Allen on the other side I mean that, that's going to be a lot of fun and just seeing seeing pictures of uh, Calais Campbell out there with uh, Josh Allen I mean it it puts a little bit of like butterflies in my stomach no doubt about it Josh Allen is yoked too man he he really dwarfs Unique Ngakwe and Unique Ngakwe obviously isn't a huge defensive end he's on the smaller side but he is jacked and Josh Allen really makes him look small yeah I mean it's uh jo- Josh Allen he, I mean he's a freak of nature man I mean he's and it's crazy because you look at you look at him on the film and a lot of times I look at him I'm like man this guy it, it almost seems like he's weighs a lot less just because he's so quick off the line of scrimmage and uh, he's got such impressive bend around the edge. But then you realize, I mean, this dude's like, what is he like, two sixty? And yeah, I mean, two sixty. I mean, it's just amazing the get up that he has off the line of scrimmage. And I mean, it's it's going to be really exciting to see him 
uh, see him in 20, 2019 so, and, and just going forward. But, you know, while we're on the topic about the rookies, we obviously had uh, a rookie class last year. Now, I definitely want to go ahead and talk about some of these players and because these rookies, you know, the rookie, the rookie year, they're really just trying to learn uh, the game of football and just learn the speed of the NFL, really. Uh, but and then you see them make the biggest jumps from their rookie season to uh, their sophomore seasons. Now, we'll go ahead and first talk about Taven Bryan, the selection at number 29 overall, which surprised a lot of people just because, you know, we were kind of being projected to say, OK, they're going to go and draft. Will Hernandez was a pretty uh, was a pretty you know, pretty heavily mocked the Jaguars at that spot. You know, you also had a couple different tight ends, whether it be Hayden Hurst or Dallas Goder, and even the wild card with Lamar Jackson. But, you know, they went with some defensive line depth with Taven Bryan. And Taven Bryan, his rookie season was uh, – he. a lot of Jaguar fans didn't really like him. Uh, a lot of that was just because he really didn't make a huge impact. Now he was – they played him really all over the line of scrimmage. He started off a little bit at defensive tackle, then they tried to force him kind of at a defensive end spot, and then moved him back to the three-tech. Now, what, what were your overall thoughts of Taman Bryan, really his rookie season, and uh, how do you think he'll improve in his second year? You know, honestly, he looked completely lost at defensive end. I've I've seen that they've been playing him at defensive end and three-technique this offseason. I really wish they would just have him focus completely on the three-technique and uh, that, that's where he looked more comfortable at the end of last season. And I think that's where his skill set with the extremely fast burst off the line and with the strength would really make a lot more sense than a defensive end where he just doesn't seem natural. Now, do you, think, all, do you think they're playing him at defensive end because because the, the Dewan Smoot pick isn't really working out? Do you think they're trying to force him into a position that they want to they want him to eventually develop at or what like why do you think that they're playing at so much defensive end I think they think he can do it I don't know if they're right about that or not it didn't seem like that he had the potential really last season and if you look at him he just doesn't have the body for it either no I think that they they think that he could be a similar player to Calais Campbell I don't know if it's re- realistic or not. I, I do think he could potentially be a special player at three technique or at least a solid starter at the very least uh, down the road. So I wish they would just stick him at three technique and just let him grind there. But we'll see what happens there. Now, moving on to the second round pick, DJ Shark. He also had a very underwhelming rookie season. Of course, he missed weeks uh, 11 through 15 or 16 last year with an injury. But when he was on the field, he was very impressive on special teams. I will give him that. He was an excellent gunner and he was an excellent kick returner. But he really struggled to grasp the offense, really struggled to see him find his footing out there and had trouble holding on to the ball for sure. Um, I think he's a guy that, with an offseason under his belt, has the physical tools to come out and impress. And so far he has throughout OTAs and minicamp. He'll need to carry that momentum into uh, training camp, of course. And at 6'3 and over 200 pounds with an excellent wingspan, great leaping ability, 4'3 speed, uh, if it all comes together for DJ Chark, he could just be an absolutely explosive weapon down the field. 
Yeah, I mean, he has all the physical tools to make you really excited about him. I mean, he's, you know, over 6'3", he's 200 pounds, he runs a 4'3", 4'40-yard dash. Uh, but you look at his production, 14 receptions for 174 yards. It just wasn't there, and especially, you know, he was a guy that the Jaguars told him on the phone when they drafted him, you know, how the Jaguars.com drops those videos. They said that he had, they had a first-round grade on him. Now, one thing that does stink for him is that uh, – during the second half of the season, he was injured during weeks 11 through 15 and also week 17. So those really rookies in the second half of the years when they really seem like they start to get their footing a little more. And with the Jaguars, just there would have been pretty plenty of just garbage time for him to help learn a position. But I, I really think that he's the type of receiver that would excel with a guy like Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles is known for being a deep ball guy. I mean, one thing that's so impressive about Nick Foles is he drops back and he's just able to throw the ball up into the air and just get it to a spot where the receiver can just run under it. And we saw some of that ability of DJ Chark last season, you know, especially against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, I think I think he looked just a little bit timid out there. I mean, you know, we saw him drop a couple of balls and, you know, one real crucial drop that would have helped us win the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, he's got to find his footing. I think he's got to uh, – he just has to get some confidence. And, you know, he's got all the physical tools to be great. Um, hopefully now that we actually have a little bit more experience out there at uh, wide receiver where they can actually look up to somebody. Um, you know, you have guys like Chris Conley and Terrell Pryor and, you know, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook. Some of these guys have experience. So hopefully that um, can help him turn out to be good just because, you know, this is a guy that we invested a second-round pick in and we, we need to hit on these picks so we don't have to – go out and spend crazy money on guys that aren't homegrown. Yeah, I'm with you completely there. Now, you want to talk about our third-round pick? I think everybody in Duval is a little bit higher on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like the third-round pick. That's Ronnie Harrison, the guy out of Alabama. It was kind of, I remember when we drafted him, it was a little bit of a surprising kind of pick just because you know a lot of fans look at it and say, oh, we need this position. Or uh, and then they go out and draft the position that, you know, really wasn't a glaring need, but you look at it now and, you know, last year they drafted him and we had to Sean Gibson and Barry Church out there. Now, neither of those guys are on a team on a uh, team anymore. And uh, Ronnie Harrison, he did show some good stuff last year. I mean, he, they were able to find packages for him to bring a third safety onto the field. But it really stinks because they cut Barry Church and he was really just going to be given that opportunity to get some growth and development. But then he obviously got put on the IR for the year, which, you know, it, it kind of stinks. But um, I mean, I'm excited about Ronnie Harrison, big, powerful, strong dude. Uh, we'll see what he has. We'll see what he has in 2019 when he gets the starting spot. Yeah, and I think he's going to be a bigger playmaker than people expect. I think he's a lot more than a box safety. Now, the fourth round pick, Will Richardson. Uh, some people thought maybe he could compete for a starting job last year. An injury kind of held him back from that at right tackle. Then people kind of assumed that he would be the Jaguars starting right tackle and 2019, well, they went and drafted Jawan Taylor in the second round of this year's draft. So Will Richardson kind of became an afterthought at that point. Now, I do believe Richardson is going to make the team because he is going to be able to show versatility to play guard, which he has already started doing um, in OTAs and minicamp. And I think that you'll see more of that in training camp. If you've got a guy that is that good at pass protection that he he set the all-time PFF mark in his senior season for pass protection uh, by a right tackle in college at NC State. So I believe that he is a good enough pass blocker 
and has enough versatility to be a very valuable backup in 2019 and potentially a starter down the road. Yeah, I mean, it definitely stinks how last year the offensive line was just so injured and he probably would have been able to get an opportunity to, you know, maybe get some left tackle or left guard snaps and just kind of move him around a little bit. But, uh, you know, with the Jaguars drafting their right tackle with Jawan Taylor, I mean, it, I mean, I would think that he's not necessarily the future at right tackle, but I mean, I would love to see him compete for the right guard spot. You know, I mean, push AJ can a little bit and see if he can get some playing time in there just because. Uh, we all know what AJ can kind of is. I mean, he's the good thing about AJ can is he stays healthy, but he's also can, you know, one game he'll play good. The next game he'll just be really bad. But I mean, Will Richardson, I mean, I, I loved when he got drafted just because he was just, he was so excited and, you know, just to hear his name get called. And uh, it, it just stinks because, I mean, he, I think he was an, it, he was a healthy scratch when he got put on the IR. So I don't know if something happened in practice or what, but I mean, he's really just, and unknown for the for the Jaguars right now, and he'll provide from good depth going forward. So uh, we'll we'll see with Will Richardson what he has to offer. So uh, now we'll move on to a guy we didn't have a fifth round pick. So we'll move on to the sixth round. We drafted uh, quarterback Tanner Lee. So Tanner Lee's in a quarterback room that's pretty. It's not very experienced. I'll just say that. I mean, you have Nick Foles. Obviously, he's got a ton of experience. Other than that, you know, you got Gardner Minshew. There's uh, there's Alex McDoe or McNo or whatever from uh, Magoo. FI- okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I never knew how to pronounce it, but we, he went to FAU or FIU? He went to FIU. FIU, okay. Yeah, yeah. so it's just a lot of lack of experience. So, I mean, with Tanner Lee, I mean, he's got – it seems like with him, I mean, he's got a pretty, he's got pretty decent arm strength. He's got good size, but uh, he was a little bit underwhelming in the preseason. You'd almost like to see if, like, he can combine a Tanner Lee with his, you know, arm strength and height with a with a Garner Minshew with, you know, his accuracy and just, uh, you know, playmaking ability. But um, Tanner Lee, do you, do you see him as a being a guy that could make the team this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make the practice squad this year. I mean, they've added talent. I think, yeah, Tanner Lee's got an NFL arm in terms of strength, but he doesn't really have consistent accuracy at all. And uh, I think that Magoo has a better shot to stick around on the practice squad than he does and potentially make the team if they want to keep three quarterbacks. Uh, But I think Minshew is almost locked in as the number two. I mean, we just have to pray that – Nick Foles doesn't get injured. I mean, it's 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 really prevalent. I mean, last year we would have uh, at least we had a little bit of experience in there with like Cody Kessler. But at the same time, I mean, the uh, really with most teams, I mean, if their starting quarterback goes down, you're not going to have a Nick Foles to back him up. I mean, you know, the Chargers might be sitting kind of pretty with like a Tyrod Taylor being able to back him up. Um, I, I really wish we would have gone out and got Garrett Gilbert from the Apollos. Uh, I, I think he would have been a nice fit for the Jaguars if. Uh, you know, the starting quarterback went down. But, I mean, it's it's a position that, you know, not much experience. So, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Nick Foles can have his first healthy season of his career. Yeah, hopefully. And, of course, Foles, it hasn't all been his fault in terms of not starting the 16 games. A lot of times he hasn't been asked to start all 16 games. And we'll see how it goes um, in terms of him staying healthy. But, yeah, there's not much experience behind him. Uh, then after that, we've got Leon Jacobs, a strong side linebacker. Uh, he he came in and earned a starting job. Granted, the Sam linebacker or strong side linebacker 
isn't really a starting position considering it's only on the field maybe 30 to 35% of the time. So uh, Jacobs, he'll be on the team. I think he'll be the starter at Sam linebacker. And I think if he can show any improvement in coverage, then his position should be pretty safe moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the linebacker position right now, I mean, we're just – I mean, we signed, what, after the, like the day of the Telvin Smith uh, when we heard that he wasn't going to play. I mean, we dra- we we went and signed like four or five linebackers, dropped Blair Brown, dropped Donald Payne. And, I mean, it's going to be it, it's going to be interesting seeing what exactly happens there. I mean, we have no idea who's going to be starting at the weak side linebacker spot, no idea what the strong side linebacker spot. And we can pretty much pencil in starters everywhere else. So, I mean, we'll uh, – with this strong side linebacker spot, I mean, we'll – we'll have to see i mean it's it's something that we're definitely going to learn a lot in the preseason and uh training camp what where we're going to go at that spot so uh it's i think it's going to be jacobs and and you say we don't know what's going to happen at weak side linebacker i'm pretty confident the jaguars are ready to put quincy wilson williams out there at starter you think you think he'll start week one i do yeah, I, I mean, I would think that we got that guy that's been on the Eagles and the Bucks. I think is Alexander's his name. Uh, it's just, it's just the the kind of jump in talent that he's going or jump in level of play for Quincy Williams from <laughs> from Murray State to uh, to the Jaguars. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be pretty insane. So he's going to have to. Hopefully, he can stay healthy all throughout the training camp of preseason because he's he's really going to need those snaps but i mean he's excited he's an exciting guy on film i mean he's going to have to learn to lift his helmet up a little bit when he's going in for the hits but uh, I, i'm definitely excited about him i mean he it's a it's a really fun uh highlight tape to look at and they said when they drafted him that he was really the last last linebacker with start starting caliber ability so that was that had a lot to go into uh drafting him and then obviously they stumped the bus because none of the they were on none of the none of the NFL network or really the media's attention but a lot of a lot of NFL teams knew about it I mean Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were pretty open about it in their press conference that he was a guy that it's kind of I don't know how it got brought up but they they brought him up in one of their press conferences basically saying that he, he was a guy that was on nobody's radar but but only the NFL and only the NFL team so uh, I mean I, well you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see with a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you want to round out this draft class with the uh, greatest punter in Duval history? The greatest punter in Duval history. We got Logan Cook out here. I mean, I'm all about I mean, in the seventh round, a lot of people are saying, why, why are you drafting the punter? Why are you drafting kickers? I mean, draft, dra- just draft, draft the punter. I mean, if you see a guy that you want, don't don't bid for him and uh, call his free agency. You know, you, you, what are you going to do? You're going to go get – um, a safety or a linebacker that's not going to make the roster. I mean, they went out there, they got their guy in Logan Cook, you know, um, moving on from Brad Nortman, <laughs> uh, you know, funny dude. But, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's got a pretty good leg. I mean, he had a little bit of inconsistencies, but, I mean, I, 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 like what he, I like what we have in Logan Cook, and that's for sure. And I'm not sure if I know if I saw them right next to each other, if I would be able to tell the difference between Logan Cook and Tanner Lee. <laughs> yeah. Cook is really tall, just like Tanner Lee. You're right about that. Now, Cook did have some inconsistencies as a rookie, as you said, but he had the third most punts landed inside the 20 last year, eighth best net, and uh, the second best yards per return, which is also a testament to the coverage team, of course. But I think he has a bright future in front of him. Yeah, man, never never saw him drop a hole on a kicker team. You can't you can't you can't forget the can't forget about the place kicker 
the responsibilities. <laughs> that, and he also didn't get a punt blocked last year, which, you know, uh, a blocked punt really really cost Brad Nortman a couple times in 2017. Did we use but, him for any trick plays last year? I remember Brad Nortman threw that through a pass uh, to James O'Shaughnessy, but I can't remember if we tried any trick plays with him. I do not remember off the top of my head. We'll have to go back and figure that out and uh, answer that for our listeners next week. Yeah. And, of course, there's also Quentin Meeks and Trey Herndon. Neither of them were drafted, but they were priority free agents. Um, both of them figure to make the team as cornerbacks. Trey Herndon, the Jaguars love as a backup nickel right now, maybe a potential starter in the future. And Quentin Meeks, it looks like, is the third outside corner for the Jaguars now. Uh, behind Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye. And while Ramsey wasn't there for OTAs, uh, Meeks got a ton of play with the starters. So his confidence has been growing. And I think he's a guy, both of those guys, Meeks and Herndon, are going to be locks to make the team this year. Yeah, I mean, Meeks was a guy that actually left Stanford a year early to go into the NFL. And was a little bit surprised that he didn't get drafted. But, I mean, he fills in nicely for the Jaguars. And, you know, I mean, we were obviously very, uh, very lucky to be gifted with a couple of uh, Pro Bowl caliber cornerbacks. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, of course, is gets a lot of gets a lot of notice, and you know, I think AJ Boye is also great too. I mean, a lot of people were hard on him last year, but I mean, I thought he still had a pretty uh, pretty good season. We were just constantly, you know, like I said, I mean, your offense wasn't helping the helping the defense out at all. Then you know, it's doesn't give the defense much motivation to do much. But I mean, uh, we're gifted at the cornerback position. Even the DJ Hayden, the guy that we. Um, signing free agency over from the Detroit Lions is pretty good. But, I mean, if these guys, if anybody misses any games, I mean, we can we definitely have a couple of good um, backups at the nickel spot and the outside cornerback spot. Yeah. I do think, boy, I suffered a little bit of a drop-off last year, but there was some things going on with him off the field. And um, I think he'll be back at, at it this year, He's at least at boy, a trouble yeah. level. He's still my boy, eh? That's right. AJ is my boy, eh? Now, uh, if you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And if you really, really love us, you can leave us a review on iTunes, too. Those are always very helpful. Now, we've got a couple segments left to go here on the show today. The next one we're going to get into is the offensive outlook for 2019. For me, it's pretty simple. There's five things that if they all happen, the Jaguars offense will jump to a playoff caliber offense all on its own, uh, regardless of the defense. Now, I think it's highly unlikely that these five things occur, but I'm going to run through them and see what you think here. I think number one, everyone should be able to agree. Nick Foles just needs to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, Nick Foles, I mean, that, that's that's a key, obviously, Nick Foles. I mean, he hasn't played a full 16-game 16, uh, 16 season yet. I mean, a lot of that's just because he was a backup. A lot of that's just because he was really never in the greatest situation for himself. But, I mean, Nick Foles, stay healthy and get some consistency. Yeah, and then number two, the offensive line needs to stay healthy as well to an extent. I do believe there's better depth this year. You know, with Jawan Taylor, with Cedric Obwehi, with Will Richardson, you've still got Josh Wells and you've still got um, Tyler Shatley on the inside. So I think there's more depth, more competition there. But still, you need those guys to stay healthy. And Andrew Norwell's got to play better. AJ Cant's got to play better. Jawan Taylor, if he ends up starting, he needs to play well. So yeah, 
the offensive line too is just vitally important. Now, while we're on the topic of the offensive line, do you think that Jawan Taylor gets a week one start at right tackle? I do. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I mean, the Jaguars have been talking about how they like Cedric Abwehi a lot, but if you watched his tape from Cincinnati, that is not what you want. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. He was, I mean, he was rated like the worst tackle amongst qualifying tackles. I mean, it's, I mean, he was a horrible pick, first round pick for. Uh, for the Bengals, but I mean, we signed them on a veterans minimum one year deal. So, uh, I mean, they, I mean, I'm, they're out there giving them glowing endorsements out there, and uh, and the uh, you know playing out there and in shorts and underwear. So, I mean, of course, he's gonna be going through the motions, okay. But I mean, once once the pads actually get on and you know real football starts, and I think he'll probably revert, revert to his old self. Yeah. Now, I also believe for number three here, a downfield threat has to emerge. And it doesn't have to be one guy, but they need to get some downfield explosiveness from DJ Chark, from Keelan Cole, maybe from Terrell Pryor, who's shown some skill at that in the past, maybe from uh, D.D. Westbrook, who's very, very fast. So I think, and then I don't remember if I mentioned Chris Conley, but those guys that they have there, they have the ability to get downfield. They need to be reliable for Nick Foles. Yeah, I think I really think DJ Chark's going to be that be that player. I, I think he already has that ability too. It's just the other things he has to kind of learn with the route tree and um, you know kind of the short game. But I mean, I think you know he's got the speed to do it. Obviously, a four three forty, he's got you know tremendous height, tremendous size, and you know I think this is something that he's already done well. It's something that he's one of the few things he actually did show in his, you know, kind of underwhelming 2018 season. And, uh, I mean, really, if DJ Chark can be that, I mean, I just think that it'll make the other receivers play that much better. And I think, you know, having a guy like D.D. Westbrook in the slot, that'll open up so much more opportunity for him. Like, I always think of D.D. Westbrook as a potentially great compliment. Like, if we can have – if he can be like a uh, or Ridley to a Julio Jones or, um, you know, one of, the, one of these types of players – uh, like the who, who's that on the Houston Texans? The um, they got yeah, like a Will Fuller to a DeAndre Hopkins. Like I think I think that role would fit D.D. Westbrook so perfectly, and I think the pass game would just excel with that. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of versatility with those receivers, but D.D. Westbrook, you know, aside from Marquise Lee, is the only one who has really put up big numbers in a season, and D.D. did that last year, of course. So that. They've got a lot to prove, but I think they've got the ability to do it. Now, as the Jaguars need a downfield threat, they also need some legit red zone threats. And I think Terrell Pryor could come in handy there if he ends up making the roster with his size and leaping ability and catch radius. Uh, he should be able to bully bully smaller defensive backs down in the red zone. And then Josh Oliver and Jeff Swain have also got to be reliable in the red zone. Yeah, one thing that not many that's kind of going getting thrown on the rug this offseason is that we got a lot bigger at the receiving threat spot and we added on a troll prior, Chris Conley. You know, DJ Chark's obviously going into his second year. We've got a couple of um of new tight ends with Jeff Swain. We invested a high pick in Josh Oliver. So I mean we got we have a lot more height in there and you know than we have in years past. So I mean really uh, it'll be interesting to see if so, one of these guys really emerges as that red zone target. Yeah. And then my final point here on the offensive outlook is balance. Um, 
John DeFilippo struggled last year to call a balanced offense in Minnesota, and it ultimately got him fired. Now he was calling plays that he believed were the best plays to help the Vikings win games. He didn't think that the running game could really uh, carry its weight last year. And like I said, it ended up getting him fired. Him and Mike Zimmer had some differences. So the Jaguars have to be able to play balanced on the offensive side of the ball and call a balanced game. And in order to do that, both the – Passing attack and the rushing attack both need to be at least somewhat effective game in and game out. I mean, as a Jaguar fan, it excites me that we hired an office coordinator that got, that got fired for passing the ball too much as opposed to running the ball too much. You know, I think a lot of people would have been a lot less happy about the hiring. But I mean, it was I, I like John D. Filippo. I think it was a it was I think it was a good hire because I remember this offense coordinator search. It was getting a little bit lengthy and it was starting to get worrisome that we were going to have to you know i was i was i was having this fear that nobody wanted a spot we're going to have to hire like joe the you know scott milanovich as the offensive coordinator uh but i mean we we brought in john d flippo and you know one cool thing about john d flippo is that he was with nick Foles during his super bowl run and obviously when nick Foles took over the starting position in 2017 it was a it was a time where in the regular season he didn't play all that well, but the the Eagles had already earned that bye week, so they took the time to really build something for Nick Foles to help him excel in the playoffs. You know, they used that bye week to do that, and some of the people that he was picking the brains of was Doug Peterson, who I think's one of the top head coaches in the NFL. Frank Reich, who was the offensive coordinator at the time, he's obviously the Indianapolis Colts head coach. You know, he has a playoff win. He's a very intelligent football and offensive mind. And then, you know, you have, uh, you have, you have, you know, our offensive coordinator now, John Filippo, who's, who's got a lot of knowledge about Nick Foles and about what kind of systems that he's going to be able to work in. So uh, I'm excited that he has a quarterback that he's worked with, that he's been successful with, and uh, hopefully he can use him and uh, really be able to take some of the linebackers out of the box to help a guy like Fournette to where he's not running into eight, nine man boxes and just running into, you know, the back of backs of offensive linemen. And, you know, I think, I think it could be exciting time uh, really for this offense. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that John Filippo and Nick Foles connection should not be understated. I think it's huge. And, you know, like I said, if Foles stays healthy and the offensive line does as well to a certain extent, I think everything else is going to fall into place. And my baseline for this offense, if, if those two things do take place, is uh, middle of the road. I think if Foles is healthy and the offensive line is healthy, this team is at least going to be middle of the road on the offensive side of the ball. And that should be enough to get them back into the playoff picture at the very least. Now, when you mentioned the offensive line, I mean, I, I look at this offensive line and I think it could be one of the better units in the NFL. I mean, uh, you're going to have Andrew Norwell coming back uh, from injury. You're going to have um, the left tackle Cam Robinson coming back. And, you know, I think I think it's a really a really exciting time with especially having, um, you know, having Jawan Taylor in a right tackle. I mean, you look around Brandon Linder. This offensive line, I think, would be really, really good in the run game because you really have some maulers in here. So uh, this could be this could be something really exciting. Yeah, I think we lost you there for a minute. Uh, I heard you come back talking about Jawan Taylor. Yeah, so I mean, when I look at this offensive line, I just think that we have there's just so much room for. I think I think it could be a great run blocking unit. I mean, 
Andrew Norwell is a mauler. Cam Robinson, hopefully he comes back. He's always great in the run game. Brennan Linder, he's a mauler. Jawan Taylor, he's a mauler. I mean, this this offensive line, I think, can really just start to open some holes. And the better the run game is, you know, we've seen Fournette having a 1,000-yard season. Hopefully he can come back with his head on right. But, man, this this it, it could be uh, – I think this offensive line could be elite. Yeah, if, if they stay healthy and they gel correctly, you're right. They have the talent to be one of the better offensive lines in football. And it's just about gelling together, coming together, about uh, George Warhop getting the best out of these guys. I think he has a chance to get A.J. Can back to play into how he was playing in his first couple years, which everyone was much more encouraged about Can after his first two seasons than his last two seasons. So he's even a guy that I think has the talent to play a lot better than he has over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Jaguars, I mean, in 2017, we didn't even have, like the offensive line wasn't even as good as it was now, I don't think. And we led the NFL in rushing. So, I mean, we have some better bodies in there. Hopefully Andrew Noel comes in and plays a little bit better. You know, he didn't play up to his contract, but I mean, you look around at some of the pieces, you know, I like to be a realist with the Jaguars. I don't like to hype us up super much. And a lot of that's just because, you know, I, I like to temper my expectations for the team just because, you know, most every year of my life, they let me down. But I mean, this, this offensive line, I think, and really, and, and if your offensive line, if you have a great offensive line, that can really carry your whole entire offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now we're going to move into our final subject here today. The Unique Ngakwe contract holdout. Uh, I'll, I'll lead us off here and talk a little bit about what I think is is going on here. So Unique Ngakwe, he's set to make less than seven hundred thousand dollars in two thousand nineteen. Led the NFL in quarterback hits last year, yet his average salary ranks outside of the top one hundred at his position, which is really just incredible. It's well past time that he gets paid. Uh, the Jaguars have in the past extended players that certainly weren't at his caliber and certainly weren't at a position as important as defensive end. Uh, but now with Frank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence getting the money that they have, I think that Unique Ngakwe's agent, Ari Nissim, who has negotiated a lot of huge contracts, including Todd Gurley's uh, running back contract last year, I think that Nissan's going to be looking for at least $22 million, uh, and I think the Jaguars are going to have to get close to $20 million for this really to get worked out for a long-term deal. And I think with the way they structure their contracts, offering big signing bonuses that get prorated over the course of the contract in terms of the cap number, that the Jaguars can afford to sign him now and will likely work to get a number that they're comfortable with, uh, hopefully before training camp. Now. Yeah, I mean- if there's if there's anybody that deserves a big contract, I mean it's it's Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, like you said, he's on that third round slotted, uh, you know, unit. So you know, under that salary, so it's you know dirt cheap, under under a million dollars. And I mean, he's played every single game of his career. He's and of anybody drafted since the 2016 draft. I mean, he leads all defensive tackles with or defensive linemen with sacks. So I mean, he's a guy that works extremely hard i mean he's he's not goofing around on social media he's out trying to tell everybody how hard he's working and i mean this is strip sack king he's gets tremendous pressure at one of the most positions uh one of the most important positions in football and i i really hope we can get a deal going because i would hate to see you know a guy like this move on to another team 
Yeah. And um, for those that are worried about a potential holdout into the season, that is very, very unlikely because Yannick Ngakwe is required to report to camp by August 6th in order for him to be eligible for unrestricted free agency after the 2019 season. That means if he doesn't report to the Jaguars within, uh, you know, before August 6th, that he will become a restricted free agent following the season and the Jaguars will be able to control where he goes. If they throw that first round tender on him, his market's going to be dead because then a team's going to have to give up big money for him and give up a first round draft pick. I don't think many teams are going to be willing to do that. And I don't think it's going to come to that. I do believe the Jaguars will get a deal done. If they don't, it's going to set a very bad precedent, in my opinion, uh, for just like, what are you looking for in terms of a player that you want to extend after drafting? If it's not unique in Gakwe, what are you looking for? Yeah, and when you think of this first-round tender, I mean, when when was the last time a team has, has actually done that? Like I, I, I can't think of anybody. So it's, it's, it seems like such an unlikely situation. Uh, I think, and like you said, I mean, this, if, if it was to come to a situation where, you know, say hypothetically speaking, you could only extend, uh, like Jalen Ramsey or Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like Yannick Ngakwe is like the, the exact type of player that Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone would want. I mean, he's just extremely hardworking. He's always healthy. Uh, you know, plays every game, plays all, plays with high effort, you know, high motor, and I mean, he's just he's just absolutely deserving of a contract. I mean, we've we've just seen so many guys come in here and we throw big money at that's not from our team. You know, we throw money at guys like Malik Jackson. We've given money to guys like you know lesser guys like Julius Thomas. I mean, uh, it's it's time to start drafting well and being able to uh, sign our homegrown talent and not throw money at that other team's players with you there 100 that's going to pretty much do it for the show today we want to thank bold city brewery the one and only sponsor of the gin jack podcast again you can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com facebook twitter and instagram at bold city brewery and you can visit their downtown location on east bay street or their original tap room in riverside over on roselle thanks for listening everybody Uh, again you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter, we're at Generation Jag. And please subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can leave us a review on iTunes as well if you enjoy the show. Make sure to follow UCF Jaguar on Twitter and Instagram, at UCF underscore Jaguar. And subscribe to his channel on YouTube for all the latest Jaguars videos that he uploads. He kills the game on YouTube. Definitely the best Jaguars YouTuber out there. Um, and you can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. And uh, we hope everybody enjoys their day. Happy hump day, Duval, and go Jags. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.